Welcome back to another OU Football Podcast powered by the Norman Transcript. My name is Joe Bettner, and joining me today is a man who does not have quite the memory of Lincoln Riley, but it's up there. I'm joined by Tyler Palmatier. How are you, Tyler? That is true. He is, it's incredible. It is incredible. I just watched the Buckus Brain teaser this morning before recording this podcast. It is insane, that guy's memory. Yeah, it is. Ab- I don't care what you do. If he obviously eats, sleeps, and breathes his job, but I a lot of times do the same. And there are things about this job that are just very fly by the seat of your pants. You don't remember. You kind of pick up every day. Take it one day le- at a time. Well, you're just, yeah, you just, I mean. <laughs> I don't keep a running, I don't have a great file cabinet of all the things I've done at work. I try and stay organized, but I don't have a file cabinet of all those things in my head and years and dates escape me. But the things he can remember that it's pretty amazing. I don't know if he does that in all walks of life. Like if he has this memory with everything, he claims he doesn't. I I mean, he said it's, he has said it's mainly just football, but it could just be downplaying it. I was going to say, I wonder if like Caitlin Riley has ever won an argument with Lincoln. Cause I feel like he could pull out of that filing cabinet in his mind. Just like, actually, this is what you said. I remember. I would just, if I were her in that situation, I would just say, don't gaslight me, Lincoln. <laughs> <laughs> Take it <laughs> easy. <laughs> Take it easy on me today. I'd pull the <laughs> gaslight card. Yeah. I don't know. It's incredible. Luckily, I don't have anybody with that kind of memory in my life that can just rattle off just yeah, yeah yeah well this is not why we're here today to talk about lincoln riley's brain <laughs> although it should if there was a sports or potential science, tiffs he has with caitlin riley there's not well he did bring up a uh interesting tidbit during his monday press conference oh about, the girlfriend thing yeah yeah that was pretty funny so i don't know but we are not here today to talk about lincoln riley's brain although a sports science about Lincoln Riley's brain. I don't feel like they ever do it on coaches or anything like that, but sign me up for that. Are they still doing that? Probably not. Now that I mentioned it, that probably aged me a little bit. <laughs> wow. I'm so washed. Yeah. I will. I just couldn't, I don't watch a whole lot of ESPN anymore. Not trying to make a statement or like a stance on that. I just pulled the plug on cable a long time ago and I don't know what goes on on there anymore. Like when I turn on the TV and I, or when I, I, when I'm at somebody's place and there's commercial on, like even the advertising world, I realize has passed me by. I'm like, wow, kind it's of amazed different. where ads are going. Cause I don't even know what current ad, you have to find them on social media. I, I know that KFC has that Rudy campaign with uh, yeah, old, uh, Sean what's Aston. his name? Yeah. And uh, you don't like that? I thought the first it's time weird. I saw it, I thought it was pretty funny. I think they're getting a little bit out there. It's, it's. I think it's more so KFC as a whole, their whole rebrand, I guess, around the Colonel, because they had re- they had Reba doing it, Reba McIntyre, mm-hmm. Oklahoma Zone, doing it for a little bit, and now, they've had a little bit of everybody. Norm McDonald, that's kind of their thing. They they're they, bringing in new they, people. It's not just mm-hmm. one guy anymore, right? Which is fine. It just, I mean, I'm not a big KFC person to begin no, with. No, I think no, I think KFC's. With all the chicken competition out there now, with a lot. there's a lot, you got to bring a good chicken. You got to bring a good bird to the table in the chicken <laughs> restaurant industry these days because everybody's bringing it. Zaxby's and Canes are basically 
you may not like this, but I mean, what is the difference between Zaxby's and Cane's? As a, uh, it's like CVS and Walgreens. As a former Raisin Cane's employee. Oh, that's right. You have made the sauce. I've I've not made the sauce. Only managers are allowed to make the sauce. Oh, damn. Which honestly sounds like something that a entry level employee should be doing, not the manager. But they want to keep the sauce recipe secret, so they only allow managers, the people they trust the most, to handle such matters. Anyway. Let me ask you one thing before we move on Good from God, this. People are just tuned out, but continue. I used to work at Jason's Deli. Oh. And Monday at the presser, who else but Jason's Deli catered? Nice. And one of the jobs at Jason's Deli used to be rolling, individually rolling the pickles into plastic bags. After we were done catering, like I was a caterer, driver, delivery driver, whatever. After we were done, we had to roll hundreds of these pickles now they're individually vacuum sealed wrapped they come from they come ready to go i was one of the last to roll does that upset you no i mean it's actually brings me gives me a lot of pride that you were a part of that institution for so long that i was one of the last to roll joe anyways let's move on let's move on to ou football well anyway tyler Oklahoma's taking on Kansas State this weekend, and I know. I know it's not a great game. It's not the sexiest of matchups. I don't feel like any time OU plays Kansas State, it's, it's a sexy matchup. Yeah. Go Two on. years ago, though, Oklahoma rolled into Manhattan, swinging that sword, Baker Mayfield, and they nearly get upset by the Wildcats, coming away with a 42-35 to win. And that was quite the game that I think probably maybe some people suppress, but that was a fun game as far as a Rodney Anderson moment. He had that really weird run at the last second where he went backwards for about five or 10 yards. I can't remember. Like it, it felt significant. Amazing. It was an amazing run. And then he tight, he gets around the, the, the Kansas state defense to tightrope the sideline gets into the end zone. George Stoya is in clear camera view Rodney runs right up to him, doesn't dap him up or anything. Dimitri but, Flowers, I think, ran into Bob Brusbillo. Yeah, Bob. Bob, Bob was, still it, wants an apology. <laughs> but if you're this, out there, Flowers. This is a place, though, where I think weird things can happen. It hasn't happened so much to OU recently as far as actually losing the game. The last time they lost to Kansas State was actually in Norman, and it was in 2012. So it's been a bit since Kansas State has pulled one, but the new – haven't won Kansas State. I don't be know you in Manhattan since 1996. That blows my mind. It's been a bit, but a new coach, Chris Kleiman, new era for the Wildcats, and we don't have to get too in in depth about this whole thing. But I, I do. Th- I think it's a cool game because I know that that stadium's going to be full, and they've, it's they've got some interesting traditions. Well, it's, just, it's nothing else. It's just loud. OU hasn't played a neutral site or a true road game this year. That's been legitimately threatening yeah this is the first time they're going to go in there and they're not going to have half of the cotton bowl on their side this time and they kansas state through six games i think what's their uh shoot yeah i'm gonna have to change that in a story through six games they're fifth in the country in past defense so it's not like and and i'm i'm legitimately interested to see what chris Kleiman does offensively because they haven't been just like a straight up they're not a spread team. They still do some power run. 
I'm legitimately interested to see what they'll do. I think they'll try and, as opponents have done, shorten the game. But, like, how do they do it? That's what I was... I think that's probably the thing I'm most curious about with this game is, does Kansas State take a page out of Army's playbook and not run the triple option by any means? Oh, if they did, I would love it. It would be fun. Um, But do they try to limit possessions for Oklahoma? I think that's that's the way you win this game. Mm Mm-hmm is taking the ball out of OU's hands. Now, the thing that, and this was a fun conversation between me and Alyssa earlier, and I do mean earlier, we just had this conversation about an hour or two ago. Does Army, OU Army last year, the way it went down, does that happen with this year's defense? Do you think that defense would have allowed that game to be as close as it was? Because that was just such a abysmal season overall for the for that team. And I do wonder if under Alex Grinch, OU maybe comes out and doesn't allow it to go to overtime? Uh, That's a good question. I mean, defending the triple option, not just the triple option, but a team that is well-equipped to run it and runs it really well is just a different thing. It is a different kind of blocking. It's trying to identify who has the football is totally different. I think it is – I'm stunned that more teams that aren't talented – or that don't have regular access to a lot of talent and they're on the recruiting trail aren't going to that to try and beat powerful spread teams. Now I'm not saying that that's like the secret sauce. Well, obviously, I mean, so to speak. if there, if there was a triple option team that won the national title, this is a whole different conversation. Right. I mean, I don't think I don't, I'm not the greatest prognosticator. I don't see that happening, but um, I just think it's, a, you get, have we talked about this before? Was I having a different conversation with somebody? Like, I feel like we've, we've talked about OU Army as a as a whole on this podcast. But like going to uh, – have we brought in – like I, the, the biggest example for me is in high school. I think it's probably – in high school it's a better example. Yeah. But I've you've seen that happen. Um, I mean – Carl Albert's only loss in however many games was to Piedmont who doesn't – don't they run P- – Piedmont. Don't they run the flex bone? Yes. Their head coach um, whose name escapes me is a – disciple of UConn's head coach who also his name escapes me at this point Jeremy Reed I watched I watched him win a state title with Altus and I covered that team all that season uh and that's what they ran and that's kind of what made me yeah no you watched teams didn't teams did not defend it well I mean Collinsville that's who they played in the state title was talented they had didn't they win like on a last second field goal too yeah it was honestly it's one of the best things I've ever covered don't get me started on it uh, but the, that Collinsville team had uh, Levi Draper at linebacker, Seth Boomer at quarterback, two D1 guys. Mike Stoops was there watching Draper. And that was a talented team that probably, I don't remember exactly what Collinsville did, but in this day and age, probably ran a spread. And it's just, it's it's an interesting conversation. I'm not saying that that's all, that's the, that's all you got to do. But Kansas if you wanna, State should go to the triple option. <laughs> Why wouldn't you though? Because it's just like college be ba- one, it's just like college basketball. Just shorten the game. There should be one Big Twelve team that does it. Just bleed the clock. Keep it low scoring. Like why? If if you don't if you can't shoot threes, why are you going to give Steph Curry and uh, Clay Thompson more possessions? You want to limit their possessions. It's not you know it's really just not overly complicated. But you're that's a good point. Could this OU defense have limited that with a few more stops? I have to think they would have gotten a few more stops, but I don't know that it's totally that simple either because it's a different kind of thing to defend. Probably not, but I mean I do They're, think it doesn't go to overtime. No. I mean I think they get more stops, no doubt, because they are 
obviously so much better. So much better. Um, but this game this weekend, I mean, Kansas State, I do want to give them credit because Kleiman, I think, is kind of honed in on the brand of Kansas State football, and there hasn't been much aesthetically difference between him and the Bill Snyder era. A lot of what they do is kind of the same. I mean, they've got a physical football team that can run the ball, as you mentioned. And defensively, I mean, they haven't played the best of competition so far. They played Mississippi State, who's turned out to not be... I mean, they're a very average, maybe even below average SEC team. And they've beaten TCU, who TCU is not great either. Um, but lost to Oklahoma State, which is has, having its own struggles. But I, I say all this because... Their defensive numbers look really good right now. I think those probably get exposed a little bit this weekend. And part of that, you know, is, you know, I, I don't want to take away, I don't want to take away credit from Kansas State because I think as much as their defensive numbers look good, you can make the same case for Oklahoma's defense that they haven't played the best of competition. And I was going to say, if you, if you're on board with OU's defense being improved and that through six games, you're pretty much. I mean, I know through six games, that doesn't mean you're totally proven, but I think you're starting to get closer to the trends that are that are real. Like, yeah. I would say they do have a – they probably do have a good secondary. And, or, I mean, who knows? You know, it's, it's hard to say. But wins over – I know Mississippi State is very good, but winning there, um, beating TCU, those aren't bad wins. They're not. They're not great. Yeah, they're not great. I mean, I'm, it's just – it's an interesting – True road test for OU, which I think is really, you know, they've been to UCLA, which was like awful, the, not a good atmosphere, not not even remotely intimidating. They had arguably more fans there than UCLA. The Texas game is a great atmosphere, and you can get rattled in it. But you also have about, what, 40,000 fans like, of your own? It's or is like it 50,000, 50,000. I think that is it. Cotton Bowl is sneaky big. I forget about the capacity, but point being you've got it's a just a great neutral site and best one college football hands down i believe so i mean there's really i in terms of neutral site games who else is playing at the texas state fair at a rinky dink hundred thousand seat stadium that probably has no business hosting this game bleacher seating it's it's not the best but i do think that Oklahoma can go into this game and maybe it does play out a little bit like OU Texas did and and as where Oklahoma gets, you know, kind of challenged offensively where this, there were this Kansas state defense can limit them Mm -hmm. to not score 50. And I don't even know what I picked. Like I can't remember. Um, But I would not be shocked if OU doesn't cover. I wouldn't be shocked if Kansas State keeps it a little bit close, and that's just terms of time of possession, which I, if you look at the Kansas State game notes, that's one of the things that highlights, their positives, is that Kansas State's been very good at controlling the clock. I think they average 34 minutes of possession a game. which Very few mistakes, just like all the you know just classic Kansas State. You pointed yeah. that out in what you wrote this morning. Just no, yeah. not going to turn it over. You're good, you've got you've to go in, and they're just not going to beat themselves. It just OU's probably not going to I would be I think it would be a great thing for OU's defense if they could come out of this game with a turnover or two. I don't really see their drought of turnovers ending in Manhattan. And if it does, it does. But I don't think that if you if you cannot score on offense, if you're OU and you can't score on offense, 
you better hope the defense steps up because I don't think Kansas State's going to give it back to you. I mean, it's just going to be really difficult in this game to come away and not capitalize on your opportunities. And I do think it's probably good that Oklahoma coming out of that Texas game had somewhat of a, I guess, a confidence booster in West Virginia. And I know we mentioned this on the postgame podcast, the fact that they have been able to come out of some of these games and limit teams to two touchdowns, which is just, it makes the score look so much infinitely better when it's held to, you know, like there's a one in front of that number instead of like giving up 20 points or 21 points. It just looks a lot better. But I do wonder how much that game against West Virginia is a confidence booster for them as far as going into this game, knowing that, hey, we're Oklahoma, this is an inferior team, and, you know, these these guys talking about their goals and whatnot, um, it, it sounds like, you know, you hear this a lot, and it's how much stock you want to put on put into it, you know, that's your decision, but just it, it does get, there does get a sense from Jalen Hurts. I don't question his, I guess, satisfaction level, which is really low. I don't think he's going to go into a game cake, you know, uh, sleepwalking through it by any means. Um, but does that still seep into the rest of the team? Do the other players think that way? And I think that's the big question. OU has to answer itself very early it Saturday morning. I think it does. Based, I'm just putting that out there based on just watching them play, listening to him talk. I really think his whole tunnel vision thing does bleed into everybody else. And they are, they seem like a really focused team and that's not a bad thing. Like, no, there isn't a whole lot of fun being had at the podium, but the trade-off perhaps is like, this is just a team that's really serious, really focused. And it's not just the way they talk. It's like, when you look at the results, they're blowing the teams out. They should. They're the way that the defensive turnarounds crazy and they're just taking care of teams the way the, that Vegas thinks they will. And they're doing it with a lot of different faces and they're not doing it with just one guy because I think last year you probably could point to a handful of players that if this guy does well, then they're good. If that guy doesn't do well, Kyler Murray. But if he doesn't do well, oh, he's in a lot of trouble. And it kind of brings us into a conversation about depth for Oklahoma. John Michael Terry, um, injury update on him out for the season. Mm-hmm. Is that correct? Yeah. Not a, I mean, it's the terrible deal for John Michael Terry, who's finally in that role that I think a lot of people have been hearing about for season, like for a few years now that he could be a player and he's finally gotten his chance to be on the field and to have it end. But I'm curious what you think of just how that affects this OU defense and is the depth there to not see much of a drop off? Because I think he's had a really good season. He has. I there'll be a there'll be an effect somewhere. You lose a little bit of depth, but it's not going to be as bad as it would have been last year, where they you know any it seemed like anything they lost, they were just scrambling. But to have Nick Benito come in, he's played well too. Um, you've still got Mark Jackson deep. How deep? I don't know into the depth chart somewhere <laughs> and uh I, I assure you he's still on the team um that they i think somewhere he'll probably play more i don't see how he couldn't if you if you lose your top if you lose your starter at that that rush linebacker position but it's 
Well, time will kind of tell with that, how big of a deal that is. If Benito starts to struggle, then you'll kind of learn that you'll miss John Michael Terry's experience. But I don't, I think that's just a benefit of the depth that they've built up last year. This would have been way more devastating this year. It's really not. You've got a guy that's emerged and is playing really well. So we'll kind of have to see about that, but still they've start to look there. Trying to think of their injury situation right now. Lost Trey Norwood for the season. Lost now John Michael Terry for the season. Just on defense. Yeah. Uh, Jordan Kelly was figured to be lost for the season, but he's suited out the last couple games. He, But I don't think he's going to be ready to make an impact the rest of the season, it doesn't sound like, based on what Lincoln said yesterday. Caleb Kelly's the big one. I mean, it's easy to almost forget that Caleb Kelly could be on this defense. Oh, Unitely's Caleb Kelly? Yeah, oh, Unitely reporter Caleb Kelly that has been forgotten maybe hadn't forgotten but Caleb Kelly can be on this defense I'm not not to say he's like Brian Bosworth but he adds a lot of talent you know your most experienced yeah yeah, go ahead if this well I was gonna say if this is what Alex Grinch can do with some of these guys and I mean maybe the intersection of Alex Grinch and his arrival to OU plus the experience that some of these guys have gotten, maybe it would be where these players are still producing at this level, regardless of Grinch was there, but he's bringing out the best of these dudes. And I do think that there is something to be said about what Benny Wiley's been able to do. I mean, John Michael Terry and Nick Benito, as far as frame goes, very similar. And, that was one of the things that took me, I guess, um, or something I noticed when we went out in fall camp and had some open practices and you see some of these guys and you're like, who is that? Like, I know that number, but that doesn't look like that guy. And guys like John Michael Terry, Nick Benito were two of those guys. I was like, those guys look good. You were really checking them out with their shirts off. Those guys look nothing wrong with it. 2019, nothing wrong with it. Um, they're looking good and I, you know, you got to appreciate what Benny Wiley has been able to do as far as building up this roster, as far as, you know, it was, I do think I was, I was listening to the scoop podcast and I think literally a Saturday, the put their, their post game pop that they do. Mm-hmm. Um, Eddie had mentioned the, uh, injury situation and how good it's been, how good, like, Oh, you hasn't had to deal with anything. And then two days later, John Michael Terry is after the season. Um, but I do think that overall, it's still a good point to make that I think Benny Wiley and the staff has done a really good job of managing this team. And you see it a little bit with Grant Calcaterra. They're not taking any risks with him and they don't need to. They're playing, they're not playing, you know, a gauntlet of a schedule, which we'll get into as far as their 2020 schedule, but they're, they don't need these guys as far as, I mean, well, you want these guys, but you don't necessarily need Grant Calcaterra on Saturday. Shots fired at, at Calcaterra. It's more of a shot at Kansas State more than anything. Shots fired at Kansas State too. Calcaterra. Grant Calcaterra will not play at Kansas State in case uh, any of that news got missed. Although it, it likely didn't. But has Lincoln I, Riley said anything as to? I know he doesn't disclose this information regularly, but has he said anything no, that might sure have hinted? hinted at something that's wrong with him because it, it's all been a mystery to this point mm, I, I think we're to the point where like lincoln is the injury above the shoulders 
Is it between the shoulder blade and the finger? Like it sounds like a still, police report. Yeah, no, I think the rumor or the the word, if you will, is that it's a concussion and it's concussion protocol, and the, you don't want to risk anything with anyone right now in 2019 and, in football, and especially with guys who have NFL potential. But that's I feel bad even saying that. I mean, you shouldn't this guys should rest as long as they possibly need to after concussions with what we know about what goes on in, in guys heads. It's just what, what should happen? It, it's something you can't mess with that. It's hundred percent. It's a brain and there's just, you need it after football. You need it. Crazy. I know. Important. Crazy. Hot, hot take. Yeah. From Tyler Palmer's here. Groundbreaking information, but you need your brain to survive on this earth. Um, so offensively, they're obviously deep enough to, I think even, I mean, offensively, it, I would just never, even last year, I mean, in the two years I've covered OU, I just, it was trying to think of an injury that's occurred it, with the exception of quarterback that I would be like, oh, what are they going to do? Potentially the offensive line, because I know that can also throw a lot of wrinkles into everything if they were to lose a... And it has. And it has, but I mean... I mean, they're playing so, fine. I think the offense, yeah. I mean, they're they're on the offensive side is for all the injuries we've talked about that you know on the on the line. I think the offense has been okay. I mean, they can they can overcome. I'm confident saying they can overcome almost any injury. This is kind of related to the what you're talking about, but I, in correlation to what we're talking about right now, and something that I think we all kind of agreed on on Saturday. That Jalen Hurts' best pass of the year was to Lee Morris on that 46-yard touchdown. Mm. I think I might want to walk back that one. He had one a little bit later to Theo Weiss that was just a beauty of a pass. And it didn't go for a touchdown. Theo Weiss caught it kind of a – just turned around. It was right – just right in his hands um, about the same distance. I think it was prob- probably about 45 yards out. And it was just a spectacular throw from Jalen Hurts. Mm-hmm. And I bring this up mainly because I think that people should be talking about that that pass and Theo Weiss, or Hurts being able to get that ball to Theo Weiss. But as you said, they've got so many dudes that they can just kind of plug and play. And yeah. I, I mean, it's a guy incredible. like Alcatara is really – that's a very good football player. and Has NFL potential. Mm-hmm. And not only has it been hard to stand out – for him in the offense, but it's like a guy like that goes to the sideline for a few games and you almost forget about it. It's not a, that's not a knock on Calcaterra like you were doing earlier as you fired a very aggressive shot at him and then Kansas state, but it's a compliment to Calcaterra. I'm, I'm actually honestly, on his side. I'm honestly triggered right now. <laughs> you got to figure out what you are last week. I'm having to rain you and clay in from the Homer side of things. Now, the, the wild thing about Calcaterra being out, and I think the state of OU's offense, is that you really could feel the effects of, especially like 2014, when one guy was out. Mm. And when like, toward the end there, well, I guess not 2014, but 2012, when Broyles went out. Norman's own Ryan Broyles mm-hmm. went out. I mean, it was just like, who, who are you going to throw to? There's no one else out there. And then 2014, when you dealt with uh, when you dealt with Trevor Knight, who was having a very sophomore slumpish type season, you know, and 
you had to go to Cody Thomas, which no disrespect to Cody Thomas, he's found his sport that he's really good at. But Heupel didn't trust him to throw the ball at all. I mean, it was it was just basically, I would imagine, I wasn't there, but I would imagine you told P. Ryan before the game, like, you're going to need some Tylenol after this one because you're <laughs> going to be running it a lot. You're going to need an ice bath. It's going to be a workout today. You're going to be pounding the rock. You're going to be... You're not going to be doing any post-game workouts a la Jalen Hurts. You're going to be pretty you're going to be pretty beat at for this one. So, anyway, they have come into this luxury of a situation where you can plug in plug in guys and be pretty good. Now, defensively, I'm not ready to make the statement that Nick Benito is going to come in and he's going to be you know, I'm not going to say that John Michael Terry being out it isn't going to affect OU at all because I think it will. But you're in a situation now where all this rotating that you've done for seven games now, it's paying off because Nick Benito's not going in there as a wide-eyed freshman or anything. And he, I mean, he, he played some last year, but he played three games. Mm-hmm. So he has some experience, and that's good for Oklahoma. But I think it'd be, I'd be naive to say that this doesn't hurt OU a little bit, but I don't think it's a deal-breaker as far as their college football playoff aspirations. And you also benefit from a decently, uh, I guess, not super hard stretch to end the season. I mean, you have Iowa State and Baylor left, but this is not a. This is it's a fairly tough stretch. Having Iowa State and Norman is probably Iowa re- State. Then you go to Baylor. Then you go to Oklahoma State. I mean, it's not Murder's I, Row, but I think I. I don't think Oklahoma State's very good. I know you just called me a homer, but. I mean, I could see a 2015 type situation where OU kind of runs away with that game. And I agree, but on I just would say going into it, there's always caution. This team also is not near as uh, oh that OSU team is not near. I don't even think what that 2015 team was. They were dealing with so much. I mean, I don't think Rudolph played in that game, or at least if he was, he was hurt. No, but I don't know about. I haven't watched a lot of them, but I don't know what. The thing is, is that they. And I don't want to go on a tangent about, you know, killing Mike Gundy here, but how are you in this situation again after last year, all the things that you went through and you have Chuba Hubbard and Tylen Wallace, two guys that could easily be playing and contributing big numbers to a team like an OU or really any big time offense. And you're wasting away their last season in Stillwater, kind of like the way he did with Justice Hill. Justice Hill was a guy that I was going into the 20, I guess it would have been last year, yeah, that I was just like, man, Justice Hill, it'll, you know, he's he's going to be a problem. He could be Big 12 Offensive Player of the Year if everything pans out for him. And injuries kind of derailed that a little bit, but at the same time, you have one of the best running backs in school history here. And it just, it feels like these wasted opportunities. And, and the, the thing, I guess. I'm going to have to plead ignorance because I don't watch him enough. I don't know what they're doing, so it's hard for me to really hammer on that. I'm, it's more to me on the quarterback position because I mean, been, yeah. you had a red, you had a year to redshirt Spencer Sanders, and you could have played him in up to four games. And you know, when somebody has ten turnovers over three games, it's, I think it's just immaturity. It's inexperience. He he could have had some of that last year, or that's. But it's not. I'm not saying if he plays in four games, he's not going to commit those mistakes. But something didn't happen right 
over this last year in terms of development for him, for him to just not, he should be more polished than that. I think that's the indictment on Gundy and then you name it, whatever else. I mean, I don't, I don't know what other things they're struggling with. Sounds like a lot, but anyways. Do you think part of it is, I mean, having Sean Gleason, their new offensive coordinator? Could be. First year with a new offense. You know, Mike Yurcich, I don't think he had a very strong debut in year one. And that's maybe that's just the lumps you kind of have to take when you hire a young coordinator who's not, who's kind of adjusting to a new level. Um, What's uh, Gleason was at? Princeton, right? Princeton, yeah. So, I mean, you're up, you're at a new level. You're, getting a feel for things and it kind of comes with it and i mean that happens too they have not had great continuity at on on the assistance coaching side and i would imagine it might not be i mean you're probably you might be looking at even more new coaches next year if things don't get fixed i mean i'm not saying someone has to get fired it's not gonna be sean gleason but i mean something's got changed over there i don't know what like i said i haven't watched enough to know what they're bad at but i just know I like, to, I like to flip on a Big 12 game every now and then. I probably I probably should. It's tough, though. It's it's kind of tough when you're – I mean, you 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 are at every OU game. And it kind of – I mean, I would assume with 11 a.m. kickoffs, you're maybe done in time to, to catch a, a primetime game, the, at least the last half of it. But, I mean, when you're – I, I mean, I try to get to the stadium about two hours beforehand. I know you get there probably a little bit earlier. But, I mean, it sucks up your day. You really can't um, enjoy any football, really, as far as being a beat writer goes. Which Well, you can. you got to really be into it. You look at Barry Trammell. He's got, like, multiple streams going during every yeah. OU game. He's watching it all. He's That guy is a machine. Trammell, I was going to say, Trammell's a machine, man. He's, he, he watches every – I'm all. I also think he watches every – thunder game he He goes back and watches every thunder game which i get that i mean he uh supplements that oub or the thunder beat a lot but i think he also watches every ou and osu men's basketball game be incredible i think he records it you know whatever dvrs it and goes back and he makes sure to watch them all it's a lot and in this day and age watching the college basketball games in addition to all the thunder games is wild because it's not like not like you have Kansas, you know, and Norman or Stillwater. Not that kind of a program to follow. Essentially, yeah. I'm saying you don't have to do that. It's crazy that somebody would do that. I'm, I'm, I struggle with it. Like after a week of work, and you know, sports and high school football and the OUB. Like when I get some free time, I just, I just try and let sports go. I think I had I went through that a lot when I was when I was working desk, um, and you're kind of keeping up with like scores and you, I mean you have to actively be engaged mm-hmm. uh, with everything because you got to know what to put into the paper. Yeah, but I, I understand what you're saying. I do think though, technology has made our lives a lot easier, and the fact that I mean NBA season's back, and having league passes is a great deal because I can just turn on and there's probably never going to be a a scenario where i can watch a spurs game live um but they put up the replay pretty quickly after as long as it's not a national broadcast and i think it was last night i think i got through like the first half in about 30 minutes just like you can do that just like fast forwarding through it i'm sure barry you know skips ahead like through timeouts and whatnot but like it's i mean i 
would probably be spending that time watching a Netflix show or anything really anyway. So it's not too different. Um, but Tyler, I do wonder how you feel about this 2020 schedule that we've got going on here, which was at the top of our topics of discussion, which we've kind of breezed over through the first 40 minutes of this podcast. We can give it a quick rundown. I would right off the top the, I don't love this early bye week after two weeks. That's I wouldn't like it if I was a coach. And let me just tell you that with one buy on from a selfish standpoint, I don't love having a buy on September 19th, then not another one until the end of the season. So that sucks. But uh tough stretch here. Saturday, September 26th, you go to Army, then you got Baylor, Texas, Iowa State, Oklahoma State, at TCU, at West Virginia. And you're by that point you're already to November 14th. Uh I'm Army, Baylor, Texas, Iowa State, Oklahoma State, those are just tough football games. You know, I don't know what TCU would be like next year, but at TCU if they're decent, that that's I mean that, that's tough. Then to West Virginia. I don't know, I have a clue what West Virginia will be like, but you got to make a weird road trip to Morgantown in November. You know, weather's dicey. So, and then you close your season in Lubbock. Just kind of a funky place to close your season. I think that's my take on the whole thing. And, uh, but you welcome Tennessee to Owen Field. I know that they kind of suck, but, you know, Tennessee, Oklahoma at Owen Field, can't, that's, that's nice. That's, Beautiful. It's a. I love seeing those colors together. That's kind of what it's all about for me. It's uniform matchups. Well, but it's the colors, but it's also just like you feel that the laundry, as you, as you but, put it. Yeah. When when have I said that? I feel like we've had a discussion about this before. Oh. Um. But you know what I mean. Like when you see Oklahoma and Alabama on the same field, you just get a. Even though they're essentially this, they are the same color. You just like ooh. Get that little tingly <laughs> feeling. Yeah. When you see those two meet up. A lot of people probably wonder what OU and Florida would look like on the same field this week after. Could it happen? Right, right. So I don't know. Florida's so, AD, by the way, tweeted a uh, thing about, like, oh, we got some openings. And Josie uh, quote tweeted it, kind of maybe hinting at an announcement to come. Who knows? I think it was just like, hey, DM me. So do you not have a strong opinion about Bedlam being in October? No, I mean, put it where I don't, I would just say quit moving it around. Like if the tradition is to have it on Thanksgiving weekend, that's great. Just keep it there or start a new one. I think it should be, I think it would be cool if it was on Halloween weekend every year. Well, that's what it was in 2004. The last time that these two teams played in October was in 2004 and they played Halloween. I think it'd be cool. Just no matter what, make sure it's that if it's so, if it were this year, it's that make it the Halloween, make it the, what am I saying? The Saturday before Halloween. Yeah. If it falls on Halloween, great. Weird. I love it. Everybody in costumes, like just make Bedlam weird or just keep it on Thanksgiving, but just. Are you saying you're pro adults wearing costumes? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Just curious. Mm-hmm. Taking a survey. Are you? No. I, I personally like Bedlam being a Thanksgiving game. Um, a, as I mean, I'm, you know, this isn't like a, a huge issue probably, but I mean, for a lot of people, Thanksgiving, you're going home, you're with family and it makes it a heck of a lot easier, um, 
to kind of round up the whole gang, watch the game, or that everyone's interested in. But also, as far as the fans, it, you're not having to make the road trip. You're not spending your Thanksgiving in Lubbock. And I'm sure the beat writers enjoy that as well, being able to be close to home during that holiday. Now, having... Fair point. Having Bedlam on Halloween, I think, is a good idea, mainly because those are two teams that just... I feel like rivalry should... should ha- you should do whatever you can to like heighten a rivalry and adding there's there's Halloween. I call it big Halloween energy and you got to capitalize on that. But if I had to pick between the two, I would say Thanksgiving that it feels it. Bedlam is at home on Thanksgiving weekend and it should probably be there. Yeah. But if you want to move it around, great. Then play it on Halloween, but like don't move it to November 2nd, which at some point, I think in the last couple of years, I think 2017, wasn't it? Like early November or something. Yeah, like I mean it was pretty close. Like just don't do this. Like three, four, three out of four years, move it to a different date. Just put it somewhere and keep it there. I do wonder what they would do with OU Texas if it ever moved away from the Cotton Bowl because it has to be that second weekend Ooh, because yeah. of the state fair and how it aligns every year. Mm-hmm. I do wonder what they would do with that OU Texas game if it was. I mean, you just the the other thing about Bedlam. It's so much fun to have it at the end of the season because everyone else is playing a rivalry game. Mm-hmm. I personally, if I, if I was if I was making calling the shots, if I was calling the shots, I would put Bedlam on Black Friday night game every year. Ooh, that would be spicy. OU West Virginia last year, primetime Black Friday, that was beautiful. Those are cool games. And then you can enjoy your Saturday watching Alabama Auburn. I agree. Insert other games that happened that weekend Mm -hmm. that I probably will have interest in, but I can't think of off the top of my head. But Black Friday, primetime, Bedlam. Make it happen, Josie. I want it. And I think that's a great idea. It is going to go. It's, I mean, well, anyway, I I do want to say one more thing about the schedule. My God, uh, it is. I mean, if you get past, and I know you kind of already said this, but. Um, really, if you get past West Virginia, you're in pretty good shape. I mean, some <laughs> bulk of the schedule. Well, no, so you got I'm the saying, two Kansas schools at home after that, and then, and I mean, then you got to go to Lubbock. Which I mean, Matt Wells, I'm sure maybe has Texas Tech in a better situation next year. I'm just saying, I couldn't that, have envisioned, I couldn't have created a tougher September, Saturday, September 26th through November 7th run for them. I mean, that's like NCAA 14 when you're creating your own schedule in dynasty mode and you're like, you try to make it as tough as possible. And that's what they did. I mean, this year, this, this schedule, not to just go off on, on all things scheduling, but the I way I love it, scheduling, I could talk about scheduling a lot. Yeah. I'm, I mean, whatever, but you have, you have the two bye weeks you've got, I just think, I just kind of think it's. It works out well for them. You, you know, Kansas is kind of a quasi bye week, quasi. I can't pronounce anything. I, I don't know the difference between those two. If I said that right, I say and quasi. I don't care, Joe. <laughs> I, I don't. But this is America. Yeah. <laughs> um. I, I just I, I think this year sets up really well for them. You get a road game to UCLA that's not against that tough of an opponent, but you get to go on the road and do you know test yourself out there. Um, Houston at home at night to start the year. It's like hasn't been too tough, hasn't been 
you could argue that maybe it hasn't been tough enough yet, but I, they're going to get a taste of it. I think with hosting Iowa State, going to Baylor, and then you go to Oklahoma State, regardless of what we think about them, maybe they're trash, maybe they're decent. We don't know, but it'll be Thanksgiving weekend, and everybody will get to enjoy that, and you know we'll all have a good time doing whatever it is we're doing. It'll be 11 a.m. It'll be perfect. At least we do know that OU's home opener next year will be prime time. Technically. Yes. Missouri State, 6 p.m. Pay-per-view. Can't wait. <laughs> I mean. Can't wait. You got to figure that I'm going to I'm gonna do some. I know everyone wants this, but I'm going to, for my own record's sake, and Tyler, I'm kind of going off book here. I'm going to predict every game time for next year's schedule. And I wow. bet I get every one of them right. Uh, are you going to do it right now? I'm going to do it right now. Oh, okay. I'm going to run through it. Missouri State, September 5th. I'm going to go 6 p.m. Pay-per-view. September 12th, Tennessee. I'm going to say that goes 7 p.m. Somebody eight. on TV is going to want it at night. September 19th. By week. Nothing happening. Got that one. They won't kick off. Killed it. September 26th at Army. I'm going to say... 2.30 on CBS Sports. Net. Net? CBS Sports Network. Wow. So, what is that? True. CBS Actually, no, Net. I, CBS Original or what? I don't know. The weird CBS it's gonna that be no on one a gets. C- it's going to be on a CBS channel. I can promise you that. Okay. Baylor, I'm going to say 11 a.m. Texas, 11 a.m. At Iowa State, 11 a.m. Oklahoma State, 2.30 regional broadcast on ABC. The worst kickoff time, in my opinion. At TCU, 11 a.m. West Virginia, 11 a.m. Kansas State, 11 a.m. Kansas, 11 a.m. Texas Tech, 7 p.m. So that, those are my predictions. I know everyone's probably like, wow. Big 12 championship. 11 a.m. You really think they're going to get there? Oh, you? Yeah. Next you're year? You're them in, aren't you? Oh, I thought you were just talking about the game in general. No. It's actually setting a trap for you. I mean, I'm just kidding. Okay. It's a bad joke. If you want to really get d- d- deep dive into 2020, who 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 are the top I, two teams? I would put them in there from now until in the foreseeable Eternity. future. Yeah. Based on what the what the rest of the league is turning out. Um Will the Schooner be back by next year? We don't know. Uh, <laughs> is OU, it, do you the, think, do you the, think OU's going to kill the Schooner? Well, they're not going to kill the schooner. No, I'm saying... Are like, you talking about the... Oh, yeah. They'll have a schooner No, running. riding around. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's coming back. That's that's confirmed. Do you think... Kenny that, Mossman said that they're they're going to bring back a new one, they hope, by this... The rebuilt one by, they hope, the spring game. So you don't think this is trying to, like, ease into a new era of OU football where they don't have a schooner? Not from what I've been told. They're going to... They will rebuild. <laughs> Would we shall rebuild? Would OU consider a new mode of transportation post touchdown celebration tradition? Um, what would it be? A sooner tractor, <laughs> just plowing through the field. And they play. She thinks my tractor's sexy by Kenny Chesney over the loudspeaker. You read my mind. That sounds like an Iowa State thing. It would be great. Um, no, Schooner will be back. Could you do the, a f- flyover every time you score a touchdown? Would that be – feel like that would not be good for the air? No, that sounds pretty pricey based on the what I know about jet fuel. Spend it. Um, 
I think break out the checkbook, Joe. <laughs> somebody suggested on Twitter this week that they need to redesign the schooner, or the like. It should be. They steel. were embarrassed. It should be. It should be an all metal schooner. Well, it I make mean, it titanium. It's a freaking <laughs> replica of a wagon. Like, there's only so many engineering advancements you can put on it. I mean, if it's a replica of a wagon that ran around in the land run, which was like what pre 1900 like what are you supposed to do it's a wagon you just on that you just have to and and they wreck there is i mean <laughs> you tell me a, there weren't any wrecked wagons in the land run i think what we saw last saturday is as authentic as you never played organ trail american before? pie <laughs> you never seen far and away do you think that in 2019 they could rebuild this schooner a lot quicker than they're making giving them subs credit for like you're saying, should they rush to get a new one rebuilt? I'm not saying rushed. I'm saying, do you think that it is feasible they could put a well-constructed schooner together by the by the last home game, is what I'm saying. I don't know who builds these things. That's another great question. Um, do you go to like an Amish farm in Kansas and are those the people who are building this? Are you building it in-house? I would... I would, if the Amish are actually, they don't deal. I, I'm still not sure if the Amish deal in commercial and non-commercial things. Cause I, what I know about them, which is very, very little is that they don't deal in money. Like they live in a community and they aren't business people. For instance, they probably don't have shares in Facebook. They build their stuff. They don't collect or exchange money. I could be wrong. But also sometimes you're like, you see advertisements for like Amish built something. Have you seen those? Or like authentic Amish sweater. I don't know what I'm talking about, but I'm just saying like, could the Amish build the schooner? Okay. New idea. I, I, I I think they could. I think to kind of mend those relations with, with, with the Amish community, Amish made wall mop for $60. I'm looking at this at from layman's.com. Amish country popcorn sampler. Give it to me. Give it to me. Pennsylvania Amish rocker. Are you surprised that OU has not monetized the schooner? Like sold it off piece by piece? No. I'm saying they come back with a Sooner schooner and like beneath where the Sooner schooner says on like the tent of the wagon. Oh, like sold an ad on it? Yeah, like Sooner Schooner, sponsored by Landers Auto Group. I think no, because I, I think that they're smarter than that. They would get ripped. I want to see it happen so bad. I would love to see the controversy just from... I, think, I wouldn't love it because I respect the people at OU that we work with, and I would not want to see them go through such a maddening thing. But also, if they were to make that decision, you kind of get what's coming to you. Sooner Schooner they sponsored will never, by Midway Deli. We will not see, yeah. We will not be seeing the uh, the Target Sooner Schooner um, making any runs. Everything else is spot, like the rivalry, like OU's, like like Bedlam has an unofficial sponsor, um, who I'm not going to name right now. Do you not know it? I don't remember. I don't know it. But there is a, a pathetic move for AT&T and the Red River showdown, showdown to yeah. replace that Cotton Bowl at midfield. That's shameful. That's shameful. Shameful. I don't. That's all I'm going to say about it. I don't need to say anymore. 
I think you got your it's point. Ridiculous. Across. Tyler. Anyways, what are you? Uh, we're about to go. We're about to wrap this thing up. But um, kind of curious what you've been. Uh, what have you been watching lately? A lot of Friday if anything. Lights. A lot of Friday Night Lights. How's the pod? Is that because you you have a Friday Night Lights podcast? That is correct. I do. Taylor made a Friday Night Lights podcast. How do you guys uh, organize your shows, or do you do you go in and I'm I, I'm going to be honest, I haven't listened yet, but I've been wanting to. Do you? That's fair. Do you dissect per episode? Do you? What do you do? Each episode, we go over each podcast episode. I should say, we talk about three episodes, and basically, like we we go in each episode like the first like our debut episode we talked about episodes one through three of season one and then we just keep doing that like we're like three episode increments so is the goal to work through the entire series yes wow um and how we split it up though at first we just kind of like basically did play by play like kind of just talked like went through each episode like plot 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 and we would like take breaks to talk about that plot point mm-hmm. and we've changed it up to and it's worked out pretty well where we pick four topics from those three episodes and talk about the arc of that plot point through those three episodes and kind of break it down more uh, on a more macro level as opposed to going point by point by point mm-hmm. and talking about specific points yeah so yeah it's been fun. I like doing it. I would love to sit down on an episode. Sit in on one? Mm-hmm. You're more than welcome to anyone, really. And I don't want to speak out of turn if Spencer Davis is listening, my co-host, but you're more than welcome to come by Spencer's apartment and sit in on a taping. We're more than... I'm okaying that for them. I I don't think Spencer would have an issue with it at all. So. Well, we'll see. Run up by your, run up by your people. I think it's a, it's a cult classic worth getting into the nitty gritty because it's so good because at times I think you'll agree it's so bad, right? I mean, I love Friday Night Lights for all that it is and it does, it gives me the feels, but I also, there are, there are scenes where I'm like, this show's so good because it's so bad. What are you streaming, Tyler? I want you to address that first. No. Nope. Do you, have you bought in on everything Friday Night Lights because it's a fantastic of show? Or of course you, not. I don't want to. It's both. And and what I'm watching right now is both too. I don't want to disparage Friday Night Lights. Don't. You can disparage it. It's part of it. It's why it's a cult classic. Okay. The truth is, like the scene where Julie is in that gas station and Riggins comes in and that tornado shows up. Spoiler alert. Fake freaking tornado. Jeez. (laughs) Just spoiling the biggest plot point. Oh, yeah. That was during the writer's strike, by the way. That's why those episodes were so good. If if season season two should not be a reason to dislike the show. No, I think it's a reason to like the show because it's remarkably still its own. Like, you can still like it, but still, this is what I'm talking about. It's so bad that it's good. That tornado coming in. Like Riggins shelters somebody from Julie. a tornado. She sh- he shields Julie from it's, from disaster. They don't know what they did. They made it so good by screwing up so bad. I'm watching Twin Peaks. Wow, Joe, which I've heard a lot about. It's from like early mid '90s or something, and I was always like, eh, 
I don't know what this is. I see the cover of it. It was everywhere that was streaming. And I was just like, I don't know what this is, but I don't really want to watch it. But the more I read about it, I guess it's got a huge cult following. Uh, and it's about this girl who gets murdered in this small Pacific uh, Northwest town. And it, everybody is shook by it. And Dang. you start to find out this girl has been living kind of a double life. She was a homecoming queen. Are you spoiling stuff? Or no, is no, this no, 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 no. Is this like tra- laying the, laying trailer the, material? This is trailer material. Okay. This is trailer material. I'm going to set you, everyone up for success to watch the show. It's super dark. And, you you know, the homecoming queen is murdered. But you start to find out there are layers to her life that no one really knew and all the layers start to unfold and it, it turns out that everyone in town has this little secret story of their own that you find out about and there's all this dark stuff going on and kind of corny stuff corny 90s they haven't figured out this this show is way ahead of its time this is seriously like a stranger things before stranger Wait, things happened this is an old show yeah and people i feel like i see it's people like, tweeting about it a lot it, it has this cult following and it that has kept it relevant but if you watch it now it it was way ahead of its time as far as the slow burn. The first, the pilot is an hour and a half long and it's all one day. Jesus. And so there's all this dark stuff happening, but then at the same time, there's, there's like little shots of humor in it. And it's, if you're a TV watcher, I mean, I could see somebody being like, this is stupid. I don't want to watch it. But I could also see like, if you're really into TV, which I'm even, I'm not really, I mean, I can't, I just, is there anything you like? Yeah. You hate TV. I don't hate TV. I just can't. You hate sports. I literally do sports every day. And then when you're done with it, you're just like, I don't want any more sports. Just doesn't sound like well, someone who loves it. I mean, I do. <laughs> if I didn't, I'd have to be out. Got to get out the game. Yeah. Um, what what What's the, the straw that breaks the camel's back as far as this is the day I quit being a sports writer? Do you have a criteria for that? What do you mean? Like what would, what's an event that would convince you, I can't do this anymore. I got to give it up. I got to hang up the pen. Um, hmm. I got to hang up the laptop. I mean, is there an event? Well, it's a you, good question. I mean, I don't a, know what we're talking about. Like, it depends on how much the platforms have changed. If, I mean, newspapers aren't going to be producing the way they do for a while. If when newspapers go digital and you worked at a newspaper, it's potential that you you could get a pay cut. And I think there's spots, depending on where you're at, if you, you couldn't afford to take a pay cut based on where people are at. I thought you were going to take it. Well, that was a deep question. It's got a lot of layers to it, speaking of layers. It was a loaded question. I mean, I was going to make the joke that if, like, Christy walked in here right now, I was like, hey, you're not going to games anymore. I need you to write 50-page slideshows of the f- – I need one every day. Oh, I would quit in that situation. Yeah. That would push me out. <laughs> I mean, if we went to that, but that's not realistic. Could be. I mean, what's happening is eventually newspapers will not have a print product anymore. Damn. And – you heard it here first, there people. Will, there will be just a digital product, and it's going to be really hard for those companies to keep, as far as keeping everybody's salaries up. Like, how are they going to do that? We don't know. 
and we're not here to discuss that because it is a deep, dark conversation for two people who are literally in a brick and mortar newspaper newsroom right now with the printing press not 50 yards away from us. Roaring, I should say, by the way. We print a lot of newspapers here at the transcript, and uh, it's part of our revenue, so I don't want that to stop anytime soon. But I'm just saying, it's 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 coming eventually, and it's going to be interesting to watch everybody get ready for it. You know how I Joe's feel. looking at me right now like I'm talking about death and destruction. I, you know and how I, I kind feel of right, am, but like you know this how I is feel right real now. talk. I mean, everyone needs to be woke. You know how I feel right now? Well, you're not an office guy, are you? The office? Yes. You even know me? Well, you talk, you slander the later season so much. Well, because that's a true, that's a Have real take. Have you seen take. them, though? I've seen enough I, to know I don't want to see any more. I don't know if you've gotten to this the, part the show yet. ended when Michael Scott got on that airplane. Everything else is a bad epilogue. Well, even the last is, episode isn't even that good. This might be a niche. Okay, you're just talking gibberish at no. this point. I feel right now like the entire office did when Robert California gave his speech on Halloween, basically just saying all of these things that he knows are attacking their insecurities. And they just walk away coming from it just dead inside. That's how I feel right now. You're my Robert California. I mean, only you control your emotions and your feelings. I could, I've done nothing. Well, Tyler, this has been an enthralling dialogue. Very fitting that this is almost. Well, we'll have one more podcast before thanks or before uh, Halloween. But I'm sure this scared the crap out of a lot of people. I am frankly kind of scared myself, but that's how good Tyler is. All right. Well, Tyler, it was good talking to you, buddy. As always, Joe, great talking with you. Have fun in Manhattan. Okay. Thanks again, everyone, for listening to another OU Football Podcast powered by the Norman Transcript. Another OU Football Podcast is available on all major podcast platforms. So whether you're listening on Stitcher, Google Play, Spotify, or Apple Podcasts, you should be able to find us. If you do use Apple, we'd appreciate it if you left us a five-star rating and a review. It helps us tremendously and gets the word out about the show. Thank you once again for making us a part of your day, and we'll hope you'll tune in again for the next episode. On behalf of the Transcript Sports staff, my name is Joe Bettner, and we will catch you next time.